0: you go on that's who you belong with he's one of your kind i'll see you again i promise
1: apple card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day that's three percent on your favorite products at apple 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your Titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
2: Hello and welcome to TV Concierge. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com and I am here to talk to you about season two of The Mandalorian with the only person on planet Earth I want to do that with. It's Mallory Rubin.
1: Chris. Grogu and I are here with you. I don't know if you can see him because he's I popping in and out he's of my Zoom background.
2: somehow also breaking your Zoom background, which is also The well, Mandalorian. He's very
1: powerful. You know, a very powerful force user.
2: With Baby Yodes. Mal and I are going to do this exit survey style. So if you want a super in-depth conversation about the finale of *The Mandalorian and the whole entire second season, you can listen to Binge Mode. When is that posting?
1: Should be going up uh, overnight on Monday. So it'll be live on Tuesday.
2: And if you want to listen to two idiots talk to Mallory about The Mandalorian, (laughs) you can listen to The Watch on Monday afternoon. We're just going to do kind of a quick fire run through this season using the questions from the Ringer.com's exit survey, because I thought that would be the best way to format our conversation, Mallory. So, fool's errand of fool's errands, I will ask you, what is your tweet-length review of season two of The Mandalorian?
1: And just to be clear... (laughs) Tweets can, can be the length it of a novel be a, nowadays, right? It can be a
2: 75-tweet right? thread. Yeah, sure. You can
1: screenshot a, a note doc from yeah. your phone, and it can be longer than the character count. Let me try to actually honor the spirit of the exercise and be, be precise.
2: Whenever you're what ready, John my, Adams. Good preamble.
1: <laughs> like I, I have not prepared this. This is off off the cuff right here. It's an authentic emotional response to your prompt, Chris. My tweet-length review... Of the Mandalorian finale, season two of the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian experience to date, all of it is as follows: Holy fuck! I'm lucky to be alive watching this. I scream emoji, flushed eye pop emoji, sob emoji. Hashtag Grogu, stop the exclamation steal. Point, yeah. <laughs> Ahsoka exclamation point. Din cry face. bow, yeah. Dark saber hashtag mandalore
2: so this is good because obviously mal's tweet length response gets at just how deep the connection is between the show and the fans of star wars and how it not i wouldn't say only serviced fans but that it was such a, like an enriching and powerful experience for people who are Deeply, deeply invested in the lore around Star Wars. My tweet-length review of Star Wars, of, of The Mandalorian Season 2, is simply, if you're going to do it, do it like this. Yes. Um, Absolutely. If you, if that's you are a, that's make a good one, Chris.
1: Expanded Star Wars at its best. How Star about
2: Wars that? universe, if you're going to make this show, I'm sure if you're going to make a dozen shows like it, please do it like this. Please have this sort of level of respect for your audience. Make it look like this. Make these performances stick like this and this is just the tone that I think that people who fell in love with Star Wars with the original trilogy have been waiting for for a very long time whether they're, they're young or old and like this does give me fumes of when I was obsessed with my VHS copies of New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the <laughs> Jedi and like feeling like I was being transported to another world but yet also watching things that were like inherently familiar to me as like a fan of westerns as a fan of knights in shining armor as a fan of samurais as a fan of all these like myths that we have and all these like stories we tell each ourselves like i just thought if you're going to do it do it like this
1: i could not possibly agree with you more it's absolutely star wars at its best and that is a product of every single aspect of what they've created and so much of that, I think, connects to, you know, obviously it's about the characters, uh, indelible at this point, the bonds that they have formed, the actual plot points, the, the the simultaneous blueprint that exists across almost every episode, and yet this unique identity that they manage to cultivate week after week, depending on who the guest star is, which planet we're visiting, what the exact nature of the side quest is, et cetera. But all of it connects back to the spirit, the spirit mm-hmm. of the Enterprise, and how fundamentally that spirit connects back to and stems from loving Star Wars and yeah. wanting to make something for people who love Star Wars. And it's it's honestly just a, been a joy to watch. I'm going to miss it so badly. I know we have <laughs> a million new Star Wars things coming, and I can't wait. But the, the days now after this ended until it's back in our lives, I I, I, I don't know what I'll fill them with. <laughs> I miss Grogu already.
2: What was your favorite moment of season two? That's the second question. It's
1: difficult. It's difficult. So <laughs> the way we structured the binge mode episode that we did on this is our eight favorite moments. And in classic undisciplined fashion, I I crammed about six sub moments into my top two of moments. Of course you did. <laughs> and tried to unite them because I just couldn't pick. I think I would, I would have to say that even though Ahsoka's arrival and everything that happened in that episode, the Thrawn mentioned seeing Ahsoka in live action, learning Grogu's history through Ahsoka with Ahsoka in the Obi-Wan Yoda role of telling us about the force, telling us about somebody was something I thought could not be topped for me and and will still go down as one of my favorite things in Star Wars history. It has to be for me the the end of the finale. Mm -hmm. The the, the Din and Grogu farewell, obviously mixed in with Luke fucking Skywalker (laughs) arriving at Gideon's light cruiser. When I saw that X-Wing, my my body started to respond in a way that I was like shaking. I was telling Gaia right before we started to record. I was actually like shaking watching it. And I I had a, a, a pretty strong hope heading into the finale that Ezra for all the Star Wars rebels heads out there would be the Jedi who, who Grogu reached from the seeing stone when he called out through the force. I have, uh, uh, this is a short podcast. So I'll, I'll I won't get lost in the weeds here of sequel talk or anything, but I have a little bit of dissonance about the Luke thing because there is a part of me that worries about how much of recent Star Wars storytelling has felt a, a compulsion to connect back to the Skywalker sure. saga yeah. at some point. Yeah. However, I actually think that's what's, what's such a remarkable achievement about it, is that despite the fact that I, that is broadly often something I think about with Star Wars, that was not a problem for me at all here. It was so masterfully, deftly handled, and it was done by people who I trust to, to tell a story expertly at this point. And so most of the questions that I have are not, why did it have to be Luke? There, what does it mean moving forward for our story and the characters that we love? Our clan of two, our clan Mudhorn. Seeing Luke was just, it was thrilling. It was this distillation of the essence of Star Wars. It was honestly incredible. And then for him to be standing there as, the, the, the single favorite moment that I'll pick with in that is Grogu reaching out to, to Din.
2: Which it, t- <laughs> people can't see this, but it is your Zoom background. Oh
1: my God. And touching his helmet and then Din lifting his helmet, which he had obviously taken off in the penultimate episode with Mayfeld in during the Imperial base expedition to get the coordinates of, of Gideon's light cruiser. But to see him take it, and that was for Grogu too, right? So to see him take it off. And the way that they looked at each other, and Grogu touching his cheek and Din crying and his lip quivering, it was so beautiful and moving. I just I couldn't believe it. It was incredible.
2: Um, <laughs> it was my amazing. favorite moment of of Mandalorian <laughs> season two was the introduction of Ahsoka Tano. Who yeah, I I am somebody who has not watched uh, the cartoons. I'm not really that well versed in the sort of deeper parts of Star Wars canon stuff, but. That whole episode was just basically like a Kurosawa movie in in 30 minutes. And I thought that was my favorite episode of the season. And her introduction in that sort of dead forest and just her lightsaber moving around in the fog was just... That's how you introduce a character, for sure. The
1: iconic white lightsabers. What was your least
2: favorite part, Mal?
1: (sighs) My least favorite part, I'll say... My least favorite part, probably predictably, was all of the moments that... My darling Grogu was in a real peril. I don't like seeing him in harm's way. And I think, especially in season two, it often felt like those moments were deliberately there to prime us for a separation or for something terrible right. befalling him at some point. You know, whether it was the knife to the the throat in the the second episode before he ran to Mandu, the entire spider incident, Gideon holding Dark Saber above his head, actual shackles on my little guy in the brig, <laughs> uh, Mando asking him to, to to rewire the Razor Crest and electrocuting him in the process. I'm out on all of that. I want Grogu to thrive. I want him to be healthy and well. You mentioned Ahsoka, again, one of the most incredible episodes of television in a long time. She's an immensely important character to me. And one of the things that sticks with me most from that episode was hearing her talk about Grogu's pain and the way that he had hid his abilities over the year to avoid over the years to avoid detection, his fear, his anger, obviously the direct Anakin illusions and the the path to the dark side. I'm very worried about what awaits, especially now that he's off to Luke's school, which we know is destroyed in yeah. 28 ABY.
2: Not a great educational experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that he's long gone by then. There's there's still a couple decades to go, but I just don't like seeing bad things happen to him. I love him.
2: My least favorite part of the season was probably the fact that the in the last episode of of season two, they inexplicably repeatedly kept Moff Gideon alive, like for five scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Like every time, first he like loses one of the coolest battles I've seen in a really long time against Mando. Mando's got a spear, spear. a Beskar spear, up to his throat, and he's like, "Ooh, you're gonna keep me alive." And then they take him into the bridge where everybody who is important on the show is standing. And he twice tries to (laughs) escape once by shooting at baby Yoda and shooting Bo-Katan and then trying to kill himself. And each time they're just like, no, 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 you're a prisoner. But what his real purpose is there is there is to narrate what's happening.
1: Here's the thing. He did it expertly. She was it's a John
2: Carlos Esposito. Like you can't really ask for more. I'm just saying that in just like
1: feels like one they might want to do over with. Yeah, maybe <laughs> just, just put him in a jail cell. Road. It would be fine yeah. with me.
2: I can um, see some of those
1: characters regretting that that decision.
2: Who is the MVP of season 2?
1: Oh boy. Uh I'm going to go with Dave Filoni because I think that and and, and obviously Fabs as well, but I think that we talked about this on, on the watch when I had the pleasure of joining you a few weeks ago. Yeah. The a high wire act of the canon unifying that they did this season, the threads that they brought in. I mean, we haven't even talked about Boba Fett, but putting Boba back in his armor, like this is something that people have been waiting for for so, so, so long. And the amount of things like that, that they did, And that they pulled off and that felt like they could actually completely served the story that they're trying to tell, I just think is incredible. And again, everything that we see on on our ends in the final product stems from that real deliberation and care. What do we want to do and how are we going to do it and how are we going to make this all work together so that this can be the launching pad for all of these new explorations on Disney Plus and elsewhere in Star Wars, but so that the thing that we are making remains nearly pitch perfect. I, and I, I just think that's so, so, so hard to do. We have a lot of recent examples of how hard that is to do. So they're my vote. What about you?
2: I think I'm going to go Pedro Pascal. I think that there's a lot of debate about like, not a lot of debate, like in terms of like real hard, hardcore investigative journalism or whatever, but I don't know how often he is in that suit. You know, I assume that he is usually the the person in it, but there's been... You know, I I think that there's a lot of jokes to be had about the fact that like he shows up in Manhattan Beach like two times a year to do the like the helmet reveal. But I actually found him like quite affecting in the last few episodes, especially oh, yeah. once he takes his helmet off in the episode with Bill Burr to, to get clearance from that computer and then clearly he really Amazing delivers episode. in the second in the in the last episode of the second season and It's not easy being the flagship character of a Star Wars story, you know, like ask any of the people who are in the sequels, you know, it it could have gone wrong in a lot of different directions. And, you know, he is got a helmet on for most of the show. Like the fact that he has become kind of this indelible and iconic character just from his voice and from saying this is the way and 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 just having these few scenes where he's allowed to really express himself, I think is a real testament to him you know and it's a testament to to their choice to make him the sort of the lead actor in in this show so that's the mvp let's get to the thing that everybody was talking about on friday and all over the weekend finish the sentence D. H. luke skywalker was
1: um working for me
2: <laughs> okay. okay honestly
1: i i know there's a lot of uncanny valley talk out there and questions about oh could somebody else have been cast. I think that, that the the weight of that question probably will be revealed in time when we realize w- whether Luke and Grogu are getting their own show or whether, uh, whether their teachings are going to be a huge focus of this show moving forward. But for this, in this moment, I just don't think you can put anybody else in that Jedi robe. I mean, think about the timeline. Mandalorian is set 9 ABY nine years after the Battle of Yavin, that means we're a half decade after Endor mm-hmm. and Return of the Jedi, which means this is Luke Skywalker at his peak in his prime. It's Luke Skywalker at his most identifiable for us as viewers. It just had to be, I think it, ha- it had to be Mark Hamill's face. And I, I got a real thrill out of it. I honestly did. What about you?
2: I thought it was And then just, you added an R2, by the way. I, I, I honestly <laughs> thought it was just cheesy enough- and flawed enough to be perfect. Because I think mm-hmm. that if it had been really, really, really convincing, I would have actually felt a little bit off about that. You know, like, I think that if they had the technology where it was, where they could be like, we're gonna make a Luke Skywalker show, I would have been like, guys, just, can you just cast Sebastian Stan or something? Like, can we, can we like keep it still like within the realm of like non-Philip K. Dick world for a minute? And I I think that there was a little bit of like awkwardness to it in the same way that there's a little bit of awkwardness to the Irishman. But in the same way that the Irishman deployed that, I think appropriately, they did it that way for this. And I I would be surprised if we saw Luke again, especially a young Luke. I think we might see a slightly younger looking Mark Hamill at a temple, you know, in, in seasons or shows to come. But so I would you be You think
1: Grogu's just off-screen now for a really long time.
2: I you got to so we're we're going to talk about this on the watch too. I don't want to okay. spoil it too much, but I was okay. going to ask you like it it does save it for then. Yeah, I mean my point is basically <laughs> like you explained to me how you get him back on the Mandalorian because it seems like their paths yeah. just took a really really diametrically opposite you know, direction.
1: I have a few thoughts most of which stem from just a desperate desire to not be away from him for too long. I I basically can't accept it, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one because I agree with you that this separation felt uh, deliberate and definitive. We also know the, the counterpoint is that we have Din promising him that they'll be together again. And I think that their emotional bond is the heart of this show. I also think though, that it's probably equally true that this was not the show as magical as it has been that they intended to make. The Baby Yoda thing became bigger than The Mandalorian or really anything else in pop culture in real time. And I think that the emphasis in season two in in episode three, The Heiress, and then with Bo-Katan's return in the finale on Bo, on the kind of let's align, but also we're not really on the same page here dynamic between Din yeah. and Bo... Everything with Gideon, the stated intention to revive Mandalore for Bo. Din saying, like, that's not really what I'm looking for or interested in. And of course, the role of the dark saber, which I uh, care about deeply and have a lot of thoughts on. I think that seems like what the next season of this show is probably going to be right. about. But I,
2: it's crucially goes? called it's called the Mandalorian Mandalorian. And there are a couple of quote unquote Mandalorians out there. You know, right. like you could you could make this show about any number of people. Um, OK, Mal, thank you so much for joining me on TV Concierge. Like I said, you can listen to Binge Mode probably on Tuesday. You can listen to The Watch late on Monday. And, and we're so glad you guys joined us for TV Concierge today. We'll be back, I'm sure, later this week with more TV content. Thanks again, Mal.